All right, what's up? Welcome back, everyone, to Esports Connect here by Rec Global. I'm Kevin Naki, your host, as always, and uh, I went to another big esports event and uh, another esports event at a big sports stadium presented on a network of the worldwide leader in sports. We've come so far, everyone. Or kind of, I don't know. OWL just uh, finished up. The grand finals took place in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. Uh, I actually attended the uh, the Saturday, the, the finals, finals portion where... Uh, Spitfire pretty much took a dump on the uh, on the fusion, but that's okay. It's season one of a new league, uh, and uh, I have, of course, uh, our good friends, Mr. Taylor Cock and Frank Fields, with us uh, to talk about this and other things that happened in the world of esports this week. So, uh, Frank Taylor, how are you guys doing today? How's it going? Doing all right. Still a little warm. It's still hot in Los Angeles. It's contract season, and therefore I'm always busy, but that's okay because I love it. Hooray! Esports! We get to do this kind of full-time now, which is fun. So, uh, And we're in a world where a tournament that sold out the Barclays Center, uh, and I'm, I'm going to say, by the way, though, to their credit firsthand, amazing crowd. Just just a great, wonderful group of fans were there. So irrespective of, of whatever you think about the uh, Overwatch League, the the fan base there was crazy into it, and it was a good experience. Um, but so we, then again, you also miss DJ Khaled. DJ Khaled. I was not in the venue when that was going on. I showed up very close to the games, and I am very glad I missed that. It was uh, it was rough. Why? It was so it was the worst musical performance at an esports event of Why? the last ten years. Why would they easily. think that's good? Did he agree to do it for ten bucks? Like is he is he an Overwatch so, fan? Like my favorite thing was the Brian Kibler responding to the thread <laughs> as the first reply where they said DJ Khaled opening for Overwatch League and he said on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, hot take of the week right there. Thank you, Mr. Kibler. Um, no, it's, I I didn't watch the performance at all, uh, so I, I have no idea. I know it was terrible, but I have I have no idea what it was like. Thankfully, but I, I just don't understand it. That made no sense to me whatsoever. Um, but the but the venue itself was cool. It, it was uh, again the the set was amazing. Uh, it was just as cool as the Burbank set. They had all like the arena lights in the venue set to various different things that would happen. This ring of orange lights and giant floodlights that would pop up whenever things went to overtime and stuff like that. So so production wise, once again, very cool ahead of its game. Uh, I think a lot of other leagues have a lot to to look up to whenever it uh, whenever they're considering production in the future. But viewership was eh, 250,000 viewers on Twitch most of the time for uh, global finals of a league that's, you know, historic in the amount it costs to buy into it. That's, uh, I don't know. That seems kind of lackluster to me. Even Blizzard's total release numbers was under a million, which even comparing that to just a run-of-the-mill Dota or Counter-Strike tournament isn't good. But then when you compare it to TI or a Valve Major in CS, or League of Legends Worlds, it's like orders of magnitude smaller. We're talking like 100x smaller. So that's a bit concerning. Yeah, well, I mean, we can take the Chinese numbers with a grain of salt, but I still get what you mean. Like, we have 1.1 million concurrence for a CSGO major. That's not disputable. You know, that was on a single Twitch stream. That existed. That happened this year. Um, Mm -hmm. Worlds will, on Western streams, get over a million viewers concurrent. So, yeah, I agree. This this seems a bit short of expectations. I mean, it is worth pointing out that uh, the Grand Finals did top NA LCS, or sorry, EU LCS Spring Finals, which is 
you know, for an established, uh, for an established tournament to lose to a brand new tournament. Also, we are seeing numbers growth uh, over time uh, after the initial drop off of the Overwatch League of the Overwatch League. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, it's absolutely, I totally agree. It's absolutely not what you want to see from the first world championship of a major tournament. It's so here, one thing I was thinking is it, it's possible that it might have actually been viewer fatigue. Because one thing I noticed, and even people that own Overwatch team, League teams confirmed, is that the viewership dramatically dropped off for the playoffs from the regular season, which is always the exact opposite of what you would expect in any esport. I think maybe there were just too many games and people just got tired of tuning in all the time. For me, it comes back to my core issue with Overwatch. It's just I, I, the game itself, if you're a super engaged fan, great. You can pick out a lot of very cool things. And there are moments that are super exciting. There are moments that work well. There are certain characters you can key in on. Hanzo, for example, had a great, you know, there was great five-man ults and stuff like that that went off that looked great on screen. That's watchable. That's great. But the core problems of viewing that sort of a game trying to account for the amount of angles that everyone is trying to set up on and you're in three dimensions you don't have the luxury of something like a MOBA which people already considered unwatchable when they first came out um, but you have the benefit of having a pulled back isometric sort of 2D view over everything right and you you sort of have the ability to digest things a little more uh, or a little easier and you just still don't have that at its core in Overwatch and so I enjoyed the production the crowd was great I loved just being there and in the atmosphere of it it was cool to be at a big uh, esports event but I just, I I can't get into watching Overwatch. I don't know. It's one of those things we talk about in this show a lot where Counter-Strike is a game, Kevin, where you admit you've played, what, less than like 20 hours of yeah. CSGO ever. Yep. But you can still get into watching every single tournament because the game has so many compelling angles. We've talked about it a lot, the reasons why. But the, the bottom line is it's easily understandable for people who don't play the game. Uh, and I'd say a lesser extent to fighting games as well. But Overwatch, if you don't play, it makes no sense and it's impossible to follow. And I think that's a core issue that's going to be around basically as long as the game exists. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, I, I, like like I've said, they've made a ton of improvements to the, mm-hmm. the way that the game looks, you know, between particle effects, matching the team colors and all that sort of good stuff. But yeah, it's at, at almost any point, like I have, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I have five different streams up of Evo right now. Uh, don't worry the audio is not on so it's it's fine i can understand what you guys are saying but comparing a fighting game or you know a moba to to overwatch is just it's night and day it's so much easier to watch uh and i i don't know what the solution is there i mean the part of the problem is i think viewer fatigue is a huge thing specifically because of the finals i mean the finals the final match was over the course of two days right which just seems I, I, when I saw that schedule, when you stay like that, it's crazy. kind of absurd. Well, yeah. it's because they're trying to do everything in the model of traditional sports, right? They're setting this up for them having like a three game series where you do like a home game and then an away game and then a home game, right? Like they're trying to set up a sure. traditional like sports series. But I agree with you. I don't know if that works for us yet. I don't think that works for esports. I mean, it, 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 the expectation within esports, at least right now, is you know you have the traditional model is you have a third place match one day and then the finals, the whole finals the next day. And 
I watched Friday. I watched the Friday match, and then Saturday I was like, I guess. I mean, I guess I'll watch it's on. And then, it, of course, it only lasted for like an hour because, you know, it was a quick 3-0. But why Why was I... Why yeah. split them up like that? It just seems crazy to me. Yeah. I don't know. I... So, so let's kind of take stock on the full year, though. The first season is in the bag. They just announced two more expansion teams in Atlanta and uh, Guangzhou in China. Um, so, so what did you think overall? What uh, pros and cons? What what did you like? What didn't you like? What do you think they got right? I'll, I'll kind of kick things off here again. I've said it a lot. Production was world class. Everyone yes. involved in the production of the Overwatch League should pat themselves on the back because they did the absolute best possible to present that game, to break it down for the general public, to present a truly sports quality, if we're still using that term, top level broadcast policy. Uh, that we haven't seen in esports yet, right? Um, unequivocally, that's what they did right, in my opinion. But I think that, th- again, a lot of why this this doesn't feel like it has a lot of, um, I don't know, soul to it, I guess is the word I'm looking <laughs> for, is because it, it was just set up in such the weirdest way. There was so little community say in terms of like what was driving major tournaments for it, what content people wanted to see. And from the very beginning, it just never really felt like anyone had a say in the outcome here. And it's like Blizzard was like, oh, this game, you know, had a really good initial launch and everything like that. Great. Lock it down. Here we go. This is what we go all in on for our NFL style game. And, and I get that. But Everything just feels forced. I don't know. There were moments over the course of the season where I felt like they were getting towards that community level of like, oh, this is fun. You know, uh, for example, when the Florida Mayhem during the first stage of the tournament, they were doing all of their uh, weird entrances and, you know, having a good time. That sort of caught on over the course of the league. But as time went on, I started to not feel that level of love and community focused mentality and that sounds weird coming from somebody who's a league of legends guy (laughs) then that was you know the the main criticism of the lcs when it first launched uh and still to some degree today and so it 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 feels i don't want to say inauthentic because there are clearly a lot of people who are very passionate about it but it feels like i want just a little bit more Mm -hmm. just a tad like, I want just a little bit more in the way of something that gives it a little bit more character, because I don't feel like I see that right now. And I think that's probably I mean, esports fans, for the most part, are pretty smart and they they feel that right away. They feel that inauthenticity. And I think that that's probably driving some section of the fan base away. So I wanted to say that the thing I like, I think Jason Baker, a.k.a. Alchemist, has the hardest job in esports right now or being the head observer for this game. Uh, I think that he did, he has done everything he possibly can. Um, yeah, and I think Blizzard actually, even though I didn't like the philosophy, the core philosophy of the Overwatch League, as far as an ecosystem standpoint, because I actually think they did pretty big damage to their competitive scene while everyone was in limbo. And I think that's a large reason why we saw the low viewership. But now that it's finalized and happened i do think the ecosystem is pretty strong however i'm beginning to wonder if my opinion of the viewership matters because for those who listen don't know i 
work at sponsorships for Corsair and Endemic Esports brands. And I talked to team owners, and all of the Overwatch team owners I talk to say they're happy with their investment. Now, that could be pure salesmanship in order for, for how to get me to sponsor them, but they are full aware of the numbers, and we talk about the numbers, and numbers aside, they're still happy. And maybe there's another angle that I don't see here that the teams are getting out of it. Like, there is the local angle where they get to do their off-season events, we're gonna, which is going to start happening soon um and they get to activate you know more readily in their local markets um but even that has a trade-off because they can't market themselves globally for that brand right and it's a different brand from the team so i i just don't it's a weird situation where i feel like everyone inside is drinking the kool-aid and is all aboard and everyone on the outside is still really skeptical and yet blizzard and all the teams are just ratcheting it up like we're set to go in stadiums next year we have 40 million dollars for franchise spots that are coming up and we'll segue to the next topic i've already been some of them announced i still don't see the value but everyone there seems to say there's this great value and it's my job to see the value and my I, boss doesn't see the value. So I am I missing something well, I, or I don't think I don't you know. are. I, I, I wish that they were pointing towards some form of growth somewhere. You know what I mean? Like I get signing all the deals to get onto new networks and now they're on officially affiliated with a lot of the Disney networks from ESPN to ABC. Um, but we already saw on ESPN that it was sort of an exacerbated version of what we've seen in the past when esports has gotten on TV, right? They lost half their lead and and finished the night with a .18 in prime time on ESPN, you know? And so, great, I'm, I'm really glad that there's a new network and a new partner for this, but where is the, oh, by the way, we've also expanded into these additional regions around the world, and we're gathering millions of additional players here, so we're drumming up interest in, in other regions to continue the growth of the game and push it globally, right? Or we're seeing continued growth because of the Overwatch League or some portion of that in the rise in the number of competitive players that we have and we're continuing to support the growth of this game but we notice that all of a sudden the the posts about overwatch has surpassed so many players die down pretty quickly and we're sort of at the point now where there's not a growth story that's being told they have the revenues they have the partnerships they have the production all that is executed so so well but how is that impacting the game of overwatch and i guess that's the problem that i have so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if they can show that they're selling more copies as a result, that's that's enough for Blizzard. Yeah, I and Plenty I hope they up. can. I mean, we're not talking about it today, but League of Legends, same story. We're not hearing about the record-breaking player-based numbers. That is reserved for Fortnite now, and I think <laughs> there might be a crunch and a shift happening. Yeah. Maybe a little bit. We'll find out. Okay, so from one highly, highly involved developer in their own esports league and esports to the polar opposite in Valve as our good take, bad take of the week is uh, an article that was was published in Kotaku. It is entitled, let me have this exactly right here because this is why we're bringing it up. The International is Bad for Dota 2. Um, you trigger me just title. saying it. <laughs> just, what a title. What a title. Um, can Kotaku can be counted on to deliver there. Um, okay, so here's, <laughs> so here's my opinion on this. So much of this article is right. 
in terms of the evidence yep. that is Agreed. presented. When they talk yep. about the disparity in player salaries from those who have won at the international versus everyone else who's basically living off of, I think they said one guy literally only ate eggs for like 10 weeks or something like that. Um, the, when they talk about the fact that, that the international really does suck up all of the focus from the third-party leagues and stuff like that. Yeah, that's absolutely right. But but here's sort of where I fall on this. That is not the core of what is wrong with Dota 2. The international being bad for Dota 2, sure, I guess. But if it was placed in a proper ecosystem that supported it and the entire Dota 2 wasn't just leading up to one tournament every year, it would be fine. But the problem is, is Valve decided to dip their toes in, saw they had a crazy good effect with something that was very local to them and didn't consider the impact on the rest of the ecosystem. We've seen sort of feeble attempts at, let's introduce 38 majors per year. Oh no, wait a second. Let's make them higher value per year, but let's back them off. Let's make it more similar to CSGO. And what we've seen, though, is that there's not been a right balance between what Valve needs to actually do to sort of stabilize and support the entire system while pushing the game and helping to grow it over time and them just throwing a bunch of money in one tournament and not realizing that it does a bunch of damage to their ecosystem. So I don't think it's the international's fault if this was a $21 million tournament, but there were great opportunities for Dota players throughout the year for stability and good salaries and stuff. It wouldn't be the problem. And Valve is ultimately the arbiter in control of that. Yeah, I mean, it, I I am of such a mixed mind about this because I I think the I mean the I I think we can all agree here that the international is unequivocally one of the best events in esports. I think it is the, event the best event in esports. Yeah, it's it's like, incredible. I love it. That's great. Uh, I love going when I can. Mm -hmm. I mean, I the I always tell this story, but I was at the international three for in the crowd for the uh, for the fountain hook game. The Navi oh, also yeah, there, of course. Were you there for the play also, or not for that one? I was, I was not here. That was TA two, I believe. That was two, yeah. Um, no, I was not at two. I was at three. I was at three and six. But uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I guess I'm only a lot every three years. Uh, <laughs> but the the fact that it does place so much importance on a single tournament is something that I kind of fight for for a lot of other games. Uh, because I, I firmly believe that having a one championship per year is a good thing for a game. I, I firmly believe that. I, 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 agree I think with having you there. a champion every single year that is you point to these are the world champions. That's very important. However, I do agree with you, Kevin. I, I think that it, 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 there's a problem when it starts becoming that like this is the only tournament that actually matters at all, uh, and. I don't know what the solution is to that because uh, you can't ask Valve to say, "Hey, we're you should you need to start dropping the compendium, start not having these massive prize pools and making this the only tournament that matters." Like, why would they do that? There's no point. Uh, so the solution, I guess, is for Valve to take a deeper step into controlling what the ecosystem is, and that's very, very unlike Valve. So there's a few things um, in general. I've I sponsor a few Dota teams now, and this is actually like pretty convenient timing because Team Seer was just boot camping at the office for TI for the past week. Um, and I talked to them a little bit about the changes that Valve did for next year. Um, and I have to restate again, the International as a event is flawless. It is the best event in esports. Um, the format is great. 
The spectacle is great. The game is great. The community around it is great. Um, there is too much money put into one event. I don't want to say there's too much attention on one event because I think the build-up to the international is great. The issue, and this this is going to be a pretty deep like reach, um, but the most important thing to players right now are not the salaries that they're getting paid from the teams. Um, the most important thing to players right now is how many tournaments can an organization send me to? Which sounds weird, but the reason for that is because that's the only way that they can get money is by traveling to events and then winning them or top fouring them, essentially. And that's a huge problem because that is the way that meritocracy-based esports has been for like 10, 15 years ago. And, and really, that's a very Dota-centric feel is that that's how they always believed it should be. The issue is that's not sustainable when you can only have about eight pro teams that are actually making ends meet and you have 40 some odd that are competing all the time that are all full-time pro gamers. So there's a mismatch of the reality of the situation with what the players have grown accustomed to. And Valve, by them halfway interfering, but not all the way interfering, they're actually making it worse. So Valve has continuously tried to change up the formula. They had the three majors for a while, and then this year they had the DPC, which was like way too many tournaments, and now next year they have these five tournaments a year and literally nothing else, and that's a terrible solution too, and the teams are not happy about it. They just keep missing the mark by not understanding what the needs of the Dota community are. And it's not TI that's an issue, it's Valve that's the issue that doesn't understand their community and doesn't actually understand the steps that they have to take to fix this problem, which are many, many, many. So my favorite line in the article, and I think it speaks to a lot of what you were talking about, Frank, is that the sort of hands-on, hands-off nature of Valve and the inconsistency is a lot to blame here. And <laughs> there's one particular line they say by Newell's logic. Of course, Gabe Newell, who is, I guess, technically the CEO of Steam or Valve, but everyone's in a flat corporate structure in this weird Ayn Randian <laughs> dystopian future. And so he's the Valve czar. He's the same as the janitor, but no, he actually makes the decisions. Says the machinations of the free market will eventually bring all of Dota 2's participants' interests into alignment, but it hasn't always worked out that way, in part because of an international sized intervention Valve makes each year. And I think that's largely right. Because in a weird it let's take take a look at CSGO. Despite what you might say about some aspects of the way that tournaments are being handled or oversaturation of events because everyone's sort of competing for things. What one thing the CSGO overlords have done pretty well at this point is ensuring that there is sort of slow and stable growth in the popularity of the viewership of the game, right? And they've not taken any outsized risks of doing anything super over the top crazy. Um, because this trajectory for CSGO is sort of proven at this point, and while I think they could do a lot more to sort of maximize it and increase its popularity, and that's neither here nor there, um, what you can say is that there, there has been a very deliberate effort here to continue to raise the profile of the game. That 
doesn't really exist in Dota. There is no real parallel to that in the Dota world. There are, of course, leagues and organizations that attempt to create good Dota content or run Dota events and things like that. Um, you even have crazy things like uh, Moonduck doing the captain's draft stuff. And uh, so, so there are some neat, you know, things that are done by the community, but none of those are really lifted up to the level where they're taken seriously by anyone who only sort of peers in from the outside into the international. And so when Valve comes in and they're like, well, yeah, sure. Yeah, there were organizations y'all can run the events and yeah put it up put an event on a cruise ship we don't care it's fine go and then all of a sudden they're like oh but here's 25 million dollars and we're going to quasi produce this and oh yeah we're going to bring in tv producers and oh yeah we're actually going to make this look like we're promising that we're going to eventually use this as a stepping stone to to investing more directly into dota esports or contributing more to the community you're seeing it just hasn't worked out that way and so you have this weird on again off again relationship from valve in terms of their interest in officially supporting esports events and when they're kind of you you know, in that in-between state, no one really benefits from it. And I think it's sort of caused Dota to stagnate. I I do agree with that. I do want to say that in terms of support for the international itself, Valve doesn't itself put in that much money. They put in about the same money for the CSGO majors. It's the community subsidizing it via the compendium. That's why the prize pool gets that high. So fair, fair, um, but but I will say the compendium is obviously a giant marketing initiative every single year at Valve, which you know has to coordinate the game devs and stuff that goes into the game and everything like that. So I totally agree, but it's still an outsized involvement compared to anything yeah. else they do. The other thing I want to add is that if Valve wanted to, they could put hundred million dollars into it. Like Valve isn't a game developer anymore; they're they're basically the IRS. Like right. they just make like twenty percent off of every video game that's created. Like that's oh, it's thirty. <laughs> what, what, like essentially, that's Valve's revenue model. So they could they could do more if they wanted to. I, I honestly think the root of this issue is they're a company of engineers without any esports people, and therefore they don't know how to fix their scene. And until they actually make the decision to hire people who know things about esports specifically know things about Dota esports, this is going to be a problem because until you have someone who's in that community and travels with these teams and hears the player struggle and sees they're living in these 300 square foot apartments because they can't afford anything else or these dirty team houses and doesn't actually realize what the scene actually needs, then it's not going to get fixed. And really, that's what has to happen. Um, I, I also... This is your application to Valve, Frank. Uh, if they want to, you know, my consulting fee is is <laughs> public record. Um, no, but like, honestly, I just without. So let me say this about this article. It raises so many good points, but Valve is not going to fix the ecosystem. And if you're lobbying to Valve, well, it's TI's fault. And Valve's like, OK, well, we're just not going to do TI. Then there is no Dota scene. The scene would go away completely because no one's going to play for no money. And all these players are going to be like, this is the one thing that we had going for us. And now you've destroyed it. So you can't like say, we'll get rid of TI and then fix the problem. You have to fix the problem first. Like, otherwise, there is no Dota 2 professional scene. Yeah, well, when you're a company of 350 employees and you print money, uh, why, why, why would you try and specialize and do anything else? Um, all right. Well, anyway. 
So for, <laughs> for for our last topic today, you know, it's funny because we, we do the, the who the fuck paid for this segment. And a couple of weeks ago, this this felt a lot better. And I, I was really ready to, to rag on the Summer Skirmish series, uh, which is, of course, what Fortnite is doing. They're, they're putting out $8 million. It's an absurd amount of money. Uh, over eight weeks of competition, so they're going to average a million bucks a weekend for various different competitions in Fortnite. They're doing different formats. This is clearly a way for them to sort of test and see what formats work best and generate the most excitement, so they have an idea of how they want to structure their their esports uh, scene moving forward. And uh, the first couple of weeks were not pretty. Now, no. <laughs> Fortnite has had a, uh, a an incredible run of success up to this point. They've they've no one knows what the actual player count is now, but this is one of the biggest games that's come out in maybe ever. I, I got to think they're probably a hundred million players plus at this point. Um, it's 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 pervaded. Uh, popular culture in a way that we just haven't seen. But that's not necessarily going to translate over to a competitive scene. That's not necessarily going to make solid esports. And so <laughs> the first couple of weeks had everything from there were an immense number of uh, server stability issues, which to get into the weeds a little bit, and we talk about this actually with Dr. Lupo a little bit later on. Um, the kind of the core mechanic of, of Fortnite and what differentiates it from other games is building. So you knock down things to get resources and you quickly build them back up. Now, every object you're building is, of course, something the server has to recognize. And in a typical public server, there's some people who are really good at building and, you know, they'll put down a, maybe a 100 or 200 structures over the course of the game. But everyone else, ah, they're probably throwing down three or four and the server can kind of hold that. Now, when you throw... 100 of the world's best players onto one map and they're all building several hundred structures server can't handle that and basically there were postponements and then the production quality was let's just say it was in complete contrast to what i was talking about before with the owl but despite all of this the summer skirmish series has been averaging anywhere from on the mainstream 150 to 350,000 viewers uh and altogether if you include all the streams of the players who are involved in the tournament around 600,000 to a million viewers each week. That's unbelievable. And to me, this is pretty darn good evidence that, like it or not, Battle Royale is is here to stay, even if uh, the first couple of weeks weren't so pretty. So I wanted to say that uh, this is obviously the classic example of a game developer having to scale up and not able to do so for a title that they didn't see coming. But... The few people I know that are working on their esports scene, I worked with some of them back at Riot. They do know what they're doing, but obviously nothing happens in a vacuum. And the early week issues, I'm glad, have managed to get sorted out. The viewership is obviously insane. The next step I want to see is something more than just these show matches. I want to see some kind of developed esports ecosystem now. And I definitely want to see something better than just people pub stomping and comparing kills for tournaments i, yes. I think that that nice. has to go um and i think that there should be no tournaments that do that anymore to me that's actually not entertaining at all did, i know some people like watching watch, it I, 
tonight's out of curiosity by any chance? Because today they actually did 100 players in a private server, and it was all solos. So I, I don't so, know if you saw it, but it, it was interesting. I, I have Much, not seen it yet. We, it was uh, almost PUBG-like. Like, there's like 30 people around in the last couple of uh, circles and stuff like that. Hardly anyone's getting kills. They all fan out. Some people are just turtling up. Like, it's a weird a and crazy different issue. game. It's crazy. Yeah, so I've heard a lot of people say that they think duos is going to end up being the best format for the most action. Um, I I don't know because I haven't been in Fortnite scrims yet. Um, but I I do think that they're on track for the right direction. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention is I don't understand the age limit. Um, if there is a legal way for them to get it to 13 or maybe even lower, I think they should do it because this game skews so young. You have six and seven-year-olds playing it. And you have middle schoolers who are as good as a lot of the pro players and popular streamers that are playing now. And I think there's so much great story and entertainment potential if they lower the age from 16. I really, 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 really want to see that. I mean, yeah, like uh, there's so many. I, I, as a side story, I was uh, with my family a couple of weeks ago, and my they have you know some of my cousins have young kids, and all of them were watching Fortnite all the time constantly constantly watching fortnite youtube but the thing is they were watching other kids play fortnite they were not watching you know adults play fortnite so i think i think you're right on frankly just anecdotally mm -hmm. i think kids want to watch other kids play fortnite and be good at fortnite and so i think that that's a that's going to be a big step for them if they can manage to figure out i'm, I'm sure there's legal reasons behind it i'm positive but yeah, the other thing is yeah, just getting the format right. Get it, making sure kills are weighted properly because if kills aren't weighted properly, we're not going to see any action at all. I mean, you saw this in the early uh, PUBG tournaments, and I think that's something that PGI did really, really well. They weighted kills to a certain degree that forced action. Yeah, that's a um, good comparison actually, Taylor. Because originally kills were worth almost nothing, and in order right. to get more action, they just kept making kills worth more and more and more. So I think that's going to be the the big thing. Once they figure that out, once they get the all the pros in one place ready to go uh, on a server that actually works, and they wait function they wait kills properly, I think that's going to be when when Fortnite really figures out its esports scene. But at the end of the day, it might not even matter. People are watching the hell out of this stuff, regardless, yeah. just because it's that's Fortnite. Right. So like. For now, Fortnite's totally fine. the The question is if they can continue to have the success in the long term. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely agree. It's, uh, but when you you got to be chagrined a little bit if you're sitting around the uh, table uh, at OWL or the LCS or something like that, and you're pouring millions and millions of dollars into all of this, and then you basically have two guys with a webcam in front of them going, hey, we're here at Epic, and uh, yeah, there's yeah. a million people watching them. Honestly, Ride and Blizzard are in trouble. Like, Epic has to be spending, other than the prize pool, this production quality is like nothing, and it doesn't matter. The viewership's bigger. It's not just the same. It's way bigger way than bigger. the LCS. It's not close. Like, obviously, Korea and China regardless of what you think about the Chinese numbers, the viewership for both of those is bigger than the NA or ULCS or OWL, but uh, Fortnite is getting millions of people to tune in every week for basically what amounts to like amateur show matches. So the, once I mean, they actually have some kind of professional leagues and tournaments and lands, this is going to be insane. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll say the I'll, as a final point, uh, I can throw out some numbers at you guys that that were published on theesportsobserver.com. Hey, uh, I guess it's actually it's just esportsobserver.com, but what are the it's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, you'll figure it out. You'll find it. The Overwatch Grand Finals max concurrent was 319,000. Mm-hmm. The max concurrent for the NA LCS Spring Finals, 326,000. The max concurrent for the E3 Pro Am, not even Fortnite, which is getting more viewership, or not even Fortnite, the Summer Scribbers, rather. That's getting even more viewership. The Pro Am itself was 700,000. Wow. I, that's it's more insane. than double. Yeah. Yeah. And we do understand there's newness factor here. It's it's oh, yeah. a it's uh, the game has incredible attention on it right now. Mainstream celebrity uh, influencers and stuff. But when you have Mark Cuban, who has been, you know, very aware of esports for a long time, sitting on a stage and being like, no, they should be worried because of this. It's taking their market share. There's uh, there's something to be said for that. Uh, I, I will say, though. Uh, I'd like to think, though, that they had this. There were like two video producers from Epic in a meeting with the higher ups, and they were all like, "All right, so you guys think we can pull off this uh, this production on the inside, or you think we need to? You know, I mean, we we've got I mean, this is the biggest game in the world. We're putting up eight million bucks. I mean, we could probably you know pull in some folks to help us." And they're like, "No, no, we got it, we got it, we got it. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, do no not problem. let ESL put this on Facebook. <laughs> That's all I ask. You can outsource it, do whatever you want. Do not let anyone take this oh. off Twitch. You will." kill it immediately this this game's popular enough their their games are going to be simulcast on like four different networks including tv hey, so simulcast is fine man just let the twit like you know what I, I really think is brilliant about this you know how kevin like i guess it was a few months ago all three of us were like i don't know how battle royale's not gonna work like you can't just have one camera try to follow people fortnite's like yeah we're not even gonna bother trying to do that we're just gonna let everyone stream their exactly. first person pov and it works and it's great right. and it doesn't matter and they've leaned into it rather than try to figure out ways around it and that has been their biggest success in my opinion absolutely yep totally agree and on that note, I think we're going to bring this uh, uh, set of discussions to a close. There's still more episode after this, though. I did have a great sit-down conversation with one uh, Benjamin Lupo, otherwise known as Dr. Lupo. Uh, we talked a lot about the current state of uh, Fortnite. Uh, we talked about what needs to be added to the game and uh, what he thinks about the current competitive scene and uh, maybe what sort of events he'd like to see in the future. But as always, Frank Taylor, thank you so much for uh, jumping on, guys. I really appreciate it. We'll catch you guys later. All right, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the show, and uh, this week we are joined once again by Mr. Benjamin Lupo, otherwise known as Dr. Lupo. You guys catch him in his Fortnite streams all the time, of course, on Twitch TV slash Dr. Lupo. Ben, how's it going today, man? How you doing? Good, Kevin. How are you, dude? I'm doing great. Things are good. Um, we have real competitive Fortnite now, at least some Hooray! variation of it. Huzzah! Something similar to competitive Fortnite. Yeah, it's... Things have started to uh, to take some shifts in a direction. I'll admit, I will admit when I'm wrong, and I do feel like uh, back back when we when I was first on the show, uh, I did kind of say, I I don't know if it's gonna go that way. I have no idea. It's kind of not looking like that's what what Epic wants to do. And then lo and behold, man, the summer skirmish stuff picked up, and and look at us now, right? 
Yeah, I mean, and the way that they're doing the events, which is sort of, we talked about this a little bit the first time, right? It's like, you know, this this idea where you have sort of a master stream and then all of the players are able to sort of stream on their own and collect their own views so their fans can sort of just watch and support directly on their stream. That seems to be the way that things are going and the results have actually been pretty good from a pure numbers perspective, right? A couple of the summer skirmishes, aggregate views have gone over a million. Uh, concurrence, they're at least solidly in the high hundreds of thousands every single time enthusiasm for the game still seems pretty good but I will say it does feel like we're at that point now where this crazy exponential growth of Fortnite has maybe slowed or started to come to an end so just give me your general pulse on the game right now do you think that there's an undiscovered period of huge growth still ahead for this or are we pretty much at peak popularity for Fortnite here my opinion is probably that we we've started to to plateau a little bit. Um, if you use people's like view counts and sub counts on Twitch and YouTube and everything as kind of an example or an outline of whether or not it's there's still a lot of growth, a lot of things happening. Um, I think right now you can look at those numbers and say, yeah, we we maybe hit a little bit of a ceiling, which is fine. It's not a it shouldn't be a deterrent for anybody. It shouldn't be like a uh, oh don't stream Fortnite, don't play Fortnite. It's on its way down. It's not on its way down. It has just kind of hit a peak uh, for now. And I think part of that is because uh, I mean, in the past, Epic has this history of doing these Twitch Prime deals with uh, with skins and stuff, which is really cool. The other thing that people have started to see is uh, this kind of a meta change. The meta is like the what what's the weapon setup, the configuration that people go to. And the game right now is very much like an SMG hold mm -hmm. left click and win uh, meta. You know, that's that's what a lot of people go for is spray weapons because shotguns have been neutered a little bit, especially the pump and being able to use more than one shotgun at a time. It's kind of pointless. So people have, uh, have shifted their play styles. And because of that, I know I know from experience um, from talking to other uh, highly competitive players that it's not the most fun that they've had <laughs> is a gentle way of saying it. And I sure. think that my hope is that Epic is listening. They'll see the changes and and they'll see feedback from people and say, Hey, we got to bring the shotgun back maybe to its, uh, its previous, I don't want to say like rightful throne, but the pump action doesn't need to one shot, but man, you have a, a purple and a, an orange heavy that sure, Sure could use a little bit of a power kick if they're trying to maintain the same hierarchy of weapons. It'd be nice to see maybe the legendary heavy shotgun be the only shotgun that can one shot to the head. That way you have you have an option for that. But uh, that's just not the case right now. So people are maybe getting a little burnt out on something that they don't enjoy as much. I'm not sure. Yeah. Not sure. You know, it's, it's, it's something I want to follow up on. And for the listeners, they know I normally don't go way into the weeds in games, but I play way too much Fortnite. So I'm up on this one. So we're doing it. Um, it seems like there's this weird tug of war at Epic because they realize that building and the mechanics associated with it are such a skill differentiator that a large part of the game is sort of built upon that. Right. And so thought process, which I don't think was terrible in terms of its you know philosophy, was, well, let's make a meta in which people can rip down buildings really easily easily right so shotguns went away a little bit smgs could tear through buildings wood got nerfed to 140 hp great awesome cool let's see what we can do with this right oh wait a second that just means now that smgs can kill everything in three seconds so is there a way in your opinion or a preferred meta i guess i should ask that you'd like to see them return to something that you'd like to see them pivot towards maybe that hasn't been explored yet where do you think the game from sort of a meta mechanics perspective should go 
as it is right now, building is, like you said, it's becoming less and less uh, the power. We'll say powerful. Well, it's less and less powerful. Uh, but in a game like Fortnite, where building is literally half the game, if not maybe more, depending on how you look at it, mm-hmm. it should be uh, it should be a function that if you're extremely skilled at, you can outplay uh, you know people that have excellent aim, that kind of stuff. It, and I, the reason I say that is because if that's not the case, you kind of just have a game like every other uh, shooter that you know it's every other BR that is is focused almost entirely on you know on on shooting. You want something to step away from that. You want you want to be able to differentiate yourself. And so I think Fortnite is in a situation right now where they kind of need to make that choice. They need to say, what is the game about? Now, before we get too much further, I will say this. I think part of what has influenced their decision to nerf, we'll say nerf building, so to say, is the competitive scene. Uh, they were running into situations where uh, in competitive games, you were seeing about 10 times as many objects uh, built as... Mm public games you know public matches you just queue in and and not everybody builds you run into people that are 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 not very good and that's okay uh but they don't build as much but in a competitive game where you have 100 players that are all highly skilled they're going to be building like crazy and what was happening was there was server performance degradation and i i would like to think maybe part of it was them saying okay we can't have so many objects on this on the uh the server at once let's put in some ways to mitigate that it kind of has resulted in uh, in some frustrating gameplay, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. There are times where I'm like, I should be able to just build up, and this guy's just spraying with an SMG, and okay, I'm dead now. So what was the point of that? It it, it can be frustrating. Uh, that that part of it is frustrating. Now, like I said, I don't know if that's the case, and uh, if I'm wrong, you know, please, Epic, absolutely correct me. Uh, I would love to know the exact reasoning behind some of the cho- choices they've made with building and the changes to them, because I would like to see, I'd like to see Fortnite in a position where, yeah, gun skill is fantastic, but if your building is, is exceptional, you can outbuild people and get, you know, height advantage or, or whatever, you know, you can box them in that kind of stuff. And it's, it's meaningful where if they don't, have, even if they have an SMG, you can't just spray stuff down. You can build away from people and get into, you know, a more protective situation. And the other part of it could also be, and I will openly admit this, that I'm just bad. I could just not be good enough to <laughs> to build appropriately. I'll, I'll admit that, man. I have no problem with it because you know we I talk about how average I am on stream, and whether it's a joke or not, you know, th- there are times where I'll, I'll gladly admit that people are are significantly better than me, and so so be it. You know, I, what that's totally that's fine by me. You know, I have no problem admitting it. But I'd like to know. I'd like to know what the case is, and if if they plan on pushing the game the way that it's going right now even further, which case I'll be honest with you, I beyond the competitive scene and because of how there's a lot of there's a lot of money on the line man I, I, oh, i've yeah. played in i think three of these summer skirmish things and five hundred thousand dollars on the line is or, or 250 or five hundred thousand, depending on which one it's, it's been that's a that's a lot man yeah that's a lot yeah i mean so well what, what i think is i think you make a lot of very interesting points and i think that Epic more so in this game than maybe any other game just because of how many freaking people play this is we have to balance sort of how the average newer player experiences the game versus ensuring that the top level competitive players have their ability to to 
um, experience of the game in the way that they intended as well. And in my mind, this has always sort of been solved in other competitive games with matchmaking queues, right? Because you tend to have some sort of an unranked queue in which you just go in against everyone. You might get some trolls in there who are way better than everyone else and they just want to stomp on pubs. That's great. But usually there's a, a ranked mode where competitive players can go to. They'll get matched with players of similar skill. It seems like as you're alluding to, there may be some problems with that on the server side of things. But that I feel would go along way towards helping to understand the individual metas of the competitive players versus the casual players um but it seems like that's kind of slow going right now um do you think or would you like to see any sort of dedicated competitive modes built into the game itself or how do you think that should be solved as it is right now it's not a terrible situation that we're in uh I'll be honest with you because the game has there, there's no I think the biggest problem I see right now is that there's no space to practice, uh, at least in North America. Apparently, and and I don't know all the details. There's there are uh, there are customs available in EU and maybe South America. Somebody that's listening will please correct me, reply on Twitter, tag me, whatever you need to do. Let me know uh, what the situation is. But I've seen that from a lot of competitive players. They're like, well, all we have to queue snipe and all this stuff where we can't actually play. So give a give give one of two things in my opinion, either a give a, a space where you know there's a scheduled like weekly practice time for competitive matches that there's like a epic uh, owned Discord where people can get the codes from the you know they confirm that they're competitive players by in whatever means you know stat checks however you want to do it, or put in a mode that like showdown showdown is a great example of a competitive space for people to practice because showdown is. Man, it is the, I don't, I use, I use, we use the term jokingly, but it is the sweatiest people. You know, it's, <laughs> I imagine the dude that's like, that's got this, the headband on and the bands around his wrist to catch it all. And he's like, you know, ready to get in. And it looks like he's about to go dunk a basketball in my face. And then Not ironic, Dr. One. Disrespect. It, it, exactly. It's, it's that guy. There's just this, these super competitive players. And I love that, but it's not consistent. It's not consistent. They need competitive gamer, you know, the competitive Fortnite scene needs something consistent that they can get into and and practice and work their way through and and go over, you know, replays and stuff like that. Uh I think the the playground mode is not bad because it gives people an opportunity to maybe do some 1v1s and 2v2s and stuff like that, but it's not it's not real. It's right. not an actual game. It doesn't give you the the situations that you're going to run into and working against the storm and that kind of thing. You, you can't know. set up your own custom server. Sure. With its own rules. Exactly. Yeah. You know, well, in playground, all I do is go take go-karts and go race around the track, but, uh, Good. Yes. Good. you're doing it right then. Correct. Um, well, let's talk about the growth of the game, though, because as we as we kind of alluded to before, it does feel like it's plateaued a little bit. And part of that is because we have yet to see a game that's a video game, I should say, that's going to reach a billion people or something like that. So a game can only get so big. But what do you think Epic could do to potentially get this game ticking back up in that direction? Obviously, they have to expand to new regions. There's some players that don't have access to the game. That's great. But do you believe there's anything core to the experience or the game itself that should be fundamentally changed from where it is now, apart from just the meta? Like, should they be adding features, modes, matchmaking, as we suggested? What is missing from this to continue its growth? 
Um, a, a potentially a ranked playlist, some some way to grind out to show that you're, you know, like the the cream of the crop outside of these tourney events, something that everybody can compete in. And that's kind of what Solo Showdown is. Maybe they're testing, you know, they're using Showdown as a way to build like a, you know, a rank system like bronze, silver, gold, platinum, diamond, sure. master, grandmaster, that kind of thing. Um, that would be helpful, but it wouldn't be a mass, you know, like it wouldn't bring everybody in. I. We've joked about this on stream, and, and I, I really don't think it's ever going to happen, but man, would it be cool. Imagine imagine a world <laughs> where the PvE and the PvP sides coexist. Where I love it already. And in, in the Save the World side, or maybe they are integrated in some way, um, where you know, you're battling zombies and, and all that, and there are also other players that you're fighting, and there's zombie spawners, and you, maybe you do things and save the world that earn you skins and cosmetic stuff for Battle Royale. Maybe, maybe, do weapon skins would be huge. Oh, dude, the second that they put weapon skins in and they open, they open up that can of worms, I think things get even crazier than where they are right now. And they're, it's pretty crazy how many different variations of stuff they have. I was actually kind of surprised they didn't bring it in with season five um, because. You've, I've seen it in other games. H1Z1 has tons of them. They look super cool. Yep. A PUBG has started to add them. Fortnite, I think, is maybe next on the list. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. It doesn't have to be like a complete model change or anything like that. But being giving the ability to have like a, you know, I, I we my friends and I when we were in high school and college and stuff would jokingly say, you know, talk about how uh, you know if you if you if your gun doesn't have tiger stripes on it, it's not even worth it. Everybody knows if you have tiger stripes on it, it. it you know, making fun of Call of Duty and all the crazy stuff they put on there. But at the same time, it was also cool because it was like a, a, a bragging right, you know? CSGO has skins on all their all their weapons and knives, everything. Everything has freaking skins in CSGO. And, I mean, it's obviously made them yeah. tons of money. It's, it has uh, continued to drive the popularity of the game. So why not? incorporate that into uh into fortnite yeah. you have an opportunity to do that and uh I, I i think that could be big but outside of maybe some really over the top ideas and, and stuff like that i don't i don't really know what could be the next thing to drive a big population pushback maybe a brand new map you bring a brand new map in people will be like all right i gotta learn all the nooks and crannies all the secrety stuff you do some treasure hunty style things which they're already pretty much doing a lot of that those like I mean, they're adding basically mini games. They have, you know, uh, they have basketball and golf and you know a beach volleyball you can throw at at you know you shoot all that stuff around. That's super mm -hmm. cool, but it's it's all kind of it, it's unpredictable almost oh, because I, you never know what people are going to want. The, it, the game might eventually hit a wall where it's where it, people decide you know they're they're adding all sorts of cool stuff, but I just don't want to play Fortnite anymore. You know. It, yeah. it might hit that moment. You know, I, I, I think there's a lot of good points in there. I When I was playing StarCraft when I was a kid, I, I tell this story pretty often, so those who've listened to me know this, but I, I, I when I was, you know, 11 or 12 years old, um, I didn't want to hit the ladder all that much, right? I didn't queue up for a ton of 1v1 super intensive competitive matches and things like that. What did I play in StarCraft? I played the used map settings games, the custom games, right? I would rather play Tower Defense or Marine Arena or something like that than I would queue up for a competitive game. And custom game modes, truly custom game modes, where people have flexibility over the objectives and can sort of alter the core 
of the game has always led to some of the best ingenuity in games, period, in my opinion. Dota came from a Warcraft 3 mod, right? Uh, BR itself is a mod of, of another game. And so I would love if Fortnite would have a robust option for people to set up their own objectives and game types. Imagine if there was a, you know, you had to land on, you know, similar to 50v50, you're spawning, you know, two buses are going across, and you've got to capture an objective from the opponent, which might be like, steal a golf cart and get it across the map before people kill you or something like that, right? Something crazy along those lines. Just giving people more flexibility, I think, is a good thing. And originally, Game developers and publishers run into a problem where, especially once a game is successful and it first comes out, they don't want to diversify the game modes too much because they want people playing the core experience and they want that experience to be fun. And they don't want to dilute that with a ton of different modes and then have low matchmaking cues and some of the playlists and stuff like that. But I think we're past that point with this game. I mean, this game has so many players at this point. It's a worldwide cultural phenomenon. You have five-year-old kids in public fountains across the world doing Fortnite dances. We've (laughs) we've gotten to the point where there's a sort of cultural ubiquity to this. Um, We need to make sure that that more custom modes are are pushed. And so I I tend to be a broken record about those in games, but that's what I want. I want to have more flexibility over setting up my own game types because if I could just play around with the rules of Fortnite, especially with a unique building mechanic compared to every other BR, I'd have so much fun. That's what I want. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's uh, so let's take a look now at some of the events that have come out this summer. The summer skirmish has started, um, as you mentioned before. They're giving out a quarter million to a half million dollars for every single one of these events. They're doing multiple events per weekend. There's a ton of money pouring in. There's a lot of viewership on the game. But it's not been without some bumps in the road, right? The first couple of weeks of the summer skirmish had some notable production problems. They've had big delays in one postponements. There's been accusations and issues of of cheaters running rampant through the game. So it's not like it's been completely flawless. And, And it's weird. Having worked on the inside of developers, it feels like, you know, oh, we have the biggest game in the world. We don't have to worry about bringing on a production team because we know what we're doing with everything. And then, you know, production problems because that's what you don't foresee. So how do you feel about the summer skirmish so far? What, what do you think of it? Do you enjoy it as a fan? Have you enjoyed participating in it? And what would you like to see added to it, perhaps? So before summer skirmish was a thing, Keem, Keemstar was doing the Friday Fortnite events and people latched onto those big time. The reason being, it was not like every other competitive battle royale event so to say i'm going to use PUBG as an example those competitive events are so campy and that that's just the nature of the game if people are you know you sit in a bathroom and you wait until you, know, you have a good position <laughs> and if you're if the you get kinged and the circle is still on you then you stay in your room and you shoot anybody that tries to come in your building if you're not in there then you try to put rush the center of the map and get another building or, or whatever fortnite the Friday Fortnite events weren't like that. They were, you have to get kills. You're queuing into public games, right. you know, duos in, in squads, you, you and your partner versus two other guys, and whoever ended up with the most kills after two games, they won. And so you had people that were like pushing like crazy, crazy plays, so, you know, soloing squads and stuff like that, and it was super exciting. And then Summer Skirmish came around and uh, and scheduled its events at the same time as Friday Fortnite stuff, which is fine. Is It's within epics you know reach to do that and they were offering substantially more money so of course people are going to flock to the the more money events and they've tried a couple different formats now 
we we ran into a couple issues like you said uh one week had really bad latency problems where people were like stuttering and getting stuck outside the zone and there's just so much building you couldn't edit things you couldn't shoot stuff you were digging delayed damage or no damage or or you're just getting randomly damaged for no reason and it was because the overload of of built structures and and just the way the games were playing was kind of annoying so that that week i think that was the first week was a bust after that they went into public matches and and did their thing in there and that was more exciting Mm -hmm. and then the last week they did duos in custom matches again and that was super cool things were working much better now i will touch base on the uh the the cheating thing you have to remember some of these issues are are community created and some of them are actual issues. The yes. cheating thing is just a community created people throwing shade around because they're upset that XYZ player played really well or whatever. They don't think they earned it. It's, it's stupid mm-hmm. stuff. In this case about uh, about I drop bodies. Uh, he he played competitive ish. Uh, you know, it's destiny one. Um, so it was as competitive as it could be. Uh, he played competitive destiny one on a controller was he was really, really good. And, uh, and I, I think I talked to him maybe one time. Um, and then he comes, he shows up in this thing and drops like 20 bombs in the first and third game or something mm-hmm. like that. And so we had a ton of points for that week, but he was, he was at like 130 points on like his fourth game. And I was at a hundred points at like my eighth game. And I'm like, wow, this dude is <laughs> absolutely crushing. And what ha- ended up happening is chat started, you know, Twitch chat started this rumor. There's a rumor mill now. Welcome to Twitch chat where people start were like, oh, he's getting disqualified. And they're like, oh, he's getting disqualified because he's playing mouse and keyboard on PlayStation. Well, Fortnite on PS4 supports that natively. It's not, it's right. not against the rules. Like that's, I'm looking at the rules. It's not against the rules. What's the deal? And so we're like turned into this big monster of chat is saying all these things and, and content creators are like, well, is this real? Is this not real? And so it got spread around like crazy be- just because of a conversation. Nothing was ever confirmed. And then Epic came back and said, nope, you didn't cheat at all. And they, they did a big outline on Reddit, big posts about how the I- even the IPs of the targets that he was killing each game were all different. There were no like brand new made accounts. There was so he wasn't getting stream sniped and fed, but mm-hmm. nothing like that was happening. The kid legitimately won one hundred and forty thousand dollars, and he's like seventeen. Good, good for him. He yeah. destroyed. I don't know if, if people watch back through some of those. Yeah, you had some players that were like just bad, but we all did. I mean, we all. I, I had plenty of games where I was like, oh, that this guy looks like he's playing on his cell phone. Cool, right, and he's dead. Right. You know, it's just the nature of Fortnite. And so he, he got he got lucky and he played out of his mind. And so he crushed it. And of course, people were like, oh, all my favorite content creators didn't win. So it must be cheating. And it, that, yeah, it was pretty disappointing to see. That was it was very witch hunty of of, yeah. of some people on Twitch. And I saw some pretty rude stuff said and and it, it was it was all bad. But that was like I said, that was a community driven thing. As far as the actual games themselves this last week was phenomenal it was great it was super fun to watch i played in it and i got my butt kicked me and uh, me and flower from rogue got 20th and we got a 10 kill duo game which means we got a they were doing like a little bonus cash thing if you got the most kills uh in a, in a game this is, it was against competitive players you drop 10 kills against competitive players that's crazy that's really good and so we did that and we're like cool we're in the money and then some we did fantastic and uh, you know in terms of like everybody that was competing but the people that won were very they were very methodical they played very strategically they played very PUBG, and i think i think 
Epic was, is on the right path with the format. They were they were giving five. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm trying to remember. They're giving two points if you got over five kills as a team, mm-hmm. and then four points if you won the game. Second place didn't get anything. Four points if you won the game, and then first team to thirteen points won. And then uh, you know, for a- after a game, so if you like, if you won, and you whoever had the most points after the game, whatever. So, I like that they're that they're giving points for eliminations. What that did is is it gave people a reason to be aggressive if they were tr- if they're like, you know what, I'm if I could just get five plus kills, you know, in seven games, then I win. You know, you get fourteen points, you win. You're over thirteen, done. But other people were playing really slow, and the people that I think that won the the top teams were waiting until like top twenty to even get a limit an elimination. They were just they were they were farming materials. They were waiting to strike. They were waiting for the, the opportunity to take advantage, which is super smart play. But I'd like to see a little bit more of a push for some more aggressive gameplay. Give give more you know like maybe maybe two points for five kills, uh, four points for ten kills. You know, and, and like push the elimination as being part of it as well, because then you can have people that are just like going nuts, well, just so, going after elimination. So so this is this is actually my last question for you. What What is your dream format? Is it a solos or with what you're describing, duos with what you're describing? Like, what is your preferred format? What do you enjoy watching the most? What do you enjoy playing the most? What do you think will ultimately be the most successful for uh, for a format for competitive play? Duos feels really good. Solos, you, you can get gibbed randomly. You just feel like you know somewhere safe, and then three people push on you from different directions. You just kind of get screwed. You don't have a way to fight out of it. I feel like duos is more strategic. I think squads is too. There's too much building. There's too much chaos. You I, you I want a mix of like a happy medium of of solos and squads, which is of course duos. And I would like to see a format that rewards kills more than just five kills you get two points they need a gradual growth on that or even just every elimination is a point and then also like if you get first you get five points if you get second you get four point four points if you get third you get three points you know, or like first is five second through fifth is four sixth through tenth is three you know something like that where sure. you, there's there's like a a gradual buildup to reward and it, that's actually that's similar to how PUBG does it but i want a bigger focus on eliminations because the game is way more about how you fight it out and not necessarily 100% weighted on, like, getting first place. I want to see people be rewarded for just slaying out like crazy. I do, and too. And give a reason for those people to push, you know? I, I, I totally do, too, because it goes back to what you were talking about with PUBG. I, I straight up can't watch PUBG anymore. I enjoy playing PUBG. It is a fun game. It is really interesting for me to sort of test gun mechanics and stuff like that in that game. Really enjoy it. Can't stand watching it. I, I agree with you. It has to be incentivized through kills. They're close to it, but uh, we'll see where it goes. I, I personally, I enjoy watching solos. I think they're very fun. Um, but, uh, but I think I'm inclined to agree with you that, uh, duos is going to be the default competitive choice because it at least has some tolerance for, oh, I just got hit with a headshot 250 meters away. I guess my round's done. Um, yeah. and making sure that, uh, you know, you actually have, uh, some amount of teamwork that goes into it as well. I agree. Well, we'll see where it goes, though. There's uh, certainly a number of weeks left, and then we have uh, some major tournaments that are going to be starting here later on in the fall, too. So that'll be certainly interesting to uh, to check out. Ben, thank you so much. I appreciate your time, as always. Uh, love watching your stream. Uh, as of the time of this recording, you just came off another day where you were yet again number one on Twitch. So congratulations, man. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. 
Kevin, thank you very much for having me. All right, talk to you later. See you, bud.